the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. This is Difference Makers. My name is Mike Lee, Director of Local Ministries for True Talk 800, 93.9 KPDQ, AM 860 The Answer, KPAM, AM 1640 The Patriot, 93.1 El Rey, and 104.1 The Fish. To find out how you could have your own radio program or expand the reach of your ministry or business, and maybe even appear at our concerts and events like Fish Fest and Reventone and the Patch of Appreciation Breakfast, Secret Keeper Girl, the Pastor's Masters, and a whole lot more, just email me at mikelee at kpdq.com. That's M-I-K-E-L-E-E at kpdq.com. And our very special guest today is no stranger to our stations. We may be the only two people who remember this Dr. Michelle Watson, But my dear friend and mentor, Georgine Rice, was going to be away, and as an author and now radio personality, host of The Dad Whisperer, you were trying to get word of your book out to the public. And oddly enough, when producer James Blind explained that Georgine was going to be away, you didn't immediately shudder and wait for a later date. You asked, who's going to fill in? And as soon as James said, it's going to be Mike Lee, you asked James if I had any daughters, which indeed I do. And oddly enough, you chose to be on a fill-in Georgine show with me instead of the mighty Georgine herself. So for that, I am eternally grateful (laughs) and humbly surprised. And then we became buds and friends. And then I was talking to Dr. Michelle about the possibility of radio advertising to the Portland market. Of course, she is such a well-established professional counselor in this area, she really didn't need it. And correct me if I'm wrong, Michelle, what happened on your drive home after I talked to you about radio ads and you shot me down? Exactly. Because we are talking about difference makers. How do we make a difference? Well, you stepped out by faith in that meeting, right, and said, well, would you then, if you don't want to advertise, would you want to have your own program? And I said, no. I mean, that just isn't, I mean, I thought that. Maybe I didn't tell you that. I thought, I don't think radio is my thing. And what was amazing is on the way home, I started to feel what I would call like a little excitement inside of myself. Like I went, okay, this has to be of the spirit because this is not what I thought. Can I tell you even what happened the next day? Oh, please do. So I called a friend of mine that afternoon after we spoke because I'm like, okay, this is catching me by surprise. I'm having a little bit of excitement at the the thought of doing radio, where did that come from? Which the answer is Holy Spirit. But I called a friend who's been in radio for 40 years, Joe Battaglia, and he gave me the best counsel. He said, we're going to talk in a week, but I want you to keep a pen by your bed and a piece of paper. I don't know why he said bed, but I think he thought God would speak in the night. He said, and you write down what God tells you and we'll talk in a week. The next morning I woke up and you know when you're in that half awake, half asleep state and I I literally heard in my spirit, heard in my head, these words, Michelle, I've called you to be a voice of one calling out in the wilderness because what I do with dads is to help like John the Baptist. His dad was told that he would help turn the hearts of fathers to their children, right? My calling to work with dads has come out of that 
story with John the Baptist. So the next morning I heard, yep, you're a voice of one calling out in the wilderness. You're called to be a voice. They'll hear you and not see you. I was like, what on earth is happening? And it all started, Mike, because you had the faith to step out of your comfort zone and say, okay, what do you think of this? And then I met with you and somehow I landed here almost two years ago. And here I am now, part of the family. You can hear Dr. Michelle, the dad whisperer, 2.30 p.m. Mondays, also 2 p.m. on Thursdays on 93.9 KPDQ-FM. And also on True Talk 800, Saturdays at 12.30 p.m. and again at 7.30 p.m., making heroes out of dads. And what's really neat is Dr. Mish has also written a book you're going to want to check out. It's called Dad, Here's What I Really Need From You, A Guide for Connecting With Your Daughter's Heart. So... Michelle, now that you are a radio personality, in addition to being a licensed professional counselor and an author, how are you enjoying this season of life? Do you have any ABBA project about to launch? Yes, I do. One is starting in September. It's for dads of daughters, where the daughters are between the ages of 13 and 30. And I just finished, graduated my ninth group of men. We meet once a year from September to May. I have a group that I just finished up in Virginia that I lead remotely, and then I just did training for a gal that's going to start when a psychologist in Bellevue, Washington. I spoke at a conference up there, and there was a real desire to hear. So little by little, God is expanding this, because I do have dads now around the country that say, uh, we want to do this too. Where do we start? And some of them, there's a group of 14 dads in Eugene right now that are going through my book. So I zoomed in, you know, that where you can record the interaction through Zoom. It's like a Skype. And I just did that with them twice. I'm all about championing dads who are investing in their daughter's hearts. I'm like, I will meet you wherever you're at to encourage you. And so, yeah, it's been awesome to be a part of this crazy journey where I tell God, I would have disqualified myself if you would have said, I want you to go, quote, minister to men. And yet it's the joy of my life and I'm going to do it till my dying breath. I don't think you quite realize how very engaging and good you are at what you do. Because as director of local ministries, I have to see, watch, listen to a lot of similar-hearted outreaches out there. But you're really quite smooth when it comes to your transparency and your honesty, Dr. Michelle Watson. Mm -hmm. So, can we backtrack a little? I'll follow your lead today, right? (laughs) so many of us know about the dad whisperer. And about your book. And because you're such a staple in the Pacific Northwest, having received your master's in counseling psychology, doctors in health psychology, bachelor's in biblical education, you were a graduate of Portland Christian School, Multnomah University, Lewis and Clark College, and Walden University. One of four sisters. Parents are Jim and Jan, and they're fairly well known in the area as well. So could you backtrack to growing up, Michelle? Yeah, so growing up, oldest of four girls, my poor dad was always outnumbered, and I was born in Oakland, California, moved up here to Portland when I was 10, so my dad could go to Western Seminary. And my dad had absolutely no template when it came to being a dad. He grew up on the south side of Chicago. He was in gangs from the time he was at least 12, and it was survival of the fittest. What, and, your pastor dad was in a gang oh, growing up yeah. in Chicago? Oh, yeah, yeah, he, mm-hmm. That's movie material. Yeah, it really, for, for sure. And he, he has stories he still hasn't told me. So I, I tend to think they were a bit more brutal than maybe he's even ever told. But my dad, there was, he had, when I said he had no template, 
in How to Be a Father, it's his dad was an alcoholic, died of gangrene after being homeless, lived in a boxcar. He had worked for the railroad. And then among the seven kids, three different last names. I mean, he tells the story of his dad coming home and the final straw with his mom was when he was so drunk that she put an iron to his face. That was the last straw where he never came back. But I mean, violence in the home, abuse in the home, and really, again, like I said, no template of how to be a dad. And then I was born, my parents got married, they met at the Presidio in California, and again, still no idea how to be a dad, and now he's a dad to a daughter, and he's only 21. The older we get, that sounds younger all the time, doesn't it? So again, then my dad, you know, when I was five, my parents went to a church down in California because my mom's parents were coming to visit, and they didn't do the church thing. My parents were not into that. But they wanted to fake out her parents by making it look like they were a part of a church because the pastor would greet them by name. So they went three times so that when her parents, my grandparents, came, right, they would go, hi, Jim and Jan, because they had gone for three weeks. But in that process, they responded to Jesus, and everything changed. And I remember that's when I, on an Easter Sunday, said yes to Jesus when I was six and moved up here when I was 10. But again, my dad had kind of a rough upbringing and had to play catch up. And one really cool part of the story is that my dad would hear men, this is when he was in seminary, at conferences or teachers, either model certain ways they were a dad, or one time like he would go to a conference and they would say, you need to have family devotions with your kids. He literally immediately comes home. And when I say literally, meaning there wasn't even lag time, and said, we're going to get up 15 minutes earlier and have family devotions every day before school. Okay. But he said, I don't know what to do. And I think really when I look back, Mike, I believe that's a lot of the heart behind my passion for equipping dads to be a hero. And I love this whole, I was called the dad whisperer by a guy in Chicago on an interview. I didn't come up with that. And then I had another friend say, you know, you really do whisper to us. We men don't like women shouting at us, and I don't know how you do it. I'm like, I don't either. This is crazy. I'm single. I'm 58, never been married. I, I mean, a ministry to men. Are you kidding me? Clearly, that's not where I've been a shining star. But now I look and say, God, I'm so clearly focused on doing what you've called me to do without distraction. I'm doing this till my dying breath. And I look at, in a way, I, I'm doing maybe what my dad needed years ago, is just tell me what to do. Tell me what to do so I can do it right. I love hearing that background story. So, Michelle, when you were, say, what, six years old and your parents first came to know the Lord, how much did you observe the difference in them at that point? Did it sink in at your young age? not right away, but it must have enough, even that I don't remember, for me not long afterwards to respond to Jesus during a, you know, a Sunday school class and put my hand in the air and get a little green book by Mrs. Greenlee. It said March 26th, 1967. That, that was my day that I said yes to Jesus. And I've always marked that every year since. And even, you know, yesterday in a counseling session, Mike, I was talking with a Christian client about how much I love Jesus and just what he did. And I couldn't stop weeping. It was one of those things where it was like, whoa, this isn't just a little tear. So, you know, I think that whole idea of when you said earlier about being transparent, you know, I don't. I pretty much don't care where I am. I'm going to be raw and real, and I've sought to bring that in my writing or in the groups I lead, in my counseling, people that know me, because I believe that when God does a work in us, because I have a trauma history as well with abuse from my mom's grandfather that really did a number on me. I mean, I have a lot of 
messed up thinking and responses. And the fact that today I'm getting to do what God has called me to do, I get to partner with the Trinity in bringing their heart to fathers so that their hearts, not just their heads, turn to their daughters. I, I'm so overjoyed that at times I can do nothing else but weep with tears of joy. My pal Eldridge Broussard has a saying that there's a difference between simply accepting the circumstances versus fully embracing them. And whether or not we like what we've experienced through life, if we get to a point where we can embrace these moments, these experiences, especially the bad ones, I would think, that's when we can really fully engage with why God has given us purpose, why he's allowed certain things to happen to us so that perhaps we can help others in the same situation. So in your case, Dr. Michelle Watson, you want to empower dads with tools that your dad lacked when Mm -hmm. he first started doing devotions for you and your young sisters. And I love the fact that you are not only a survivor and an advocate, but you're a mentor and a teacher to so many through your radio ministry, The Dad Whisperer. And that's heard 2.30 p.m. on Mondays and also 2 p.m. on Thursdays on 93.9 KPDQ-FM. Also Saturdays on True Talk 800 at 12.30 p.m. How's business lately? Are you just booked with people to cancel or what? (laughs) Yeah, that's a good problem to have. If you called my machine, it would say, don't leave your message. I'm not taking new clients because I tend to work with more long-term complex issues from eating disorders to sexual abuse. Both of those things, by the way, are part of my history. And, you know, again, like you say, that might be a good problem to have to be so busy. But it seems like when I have openings, it's a former client from a few years. That happened this week, actually. It will be someone I haven't seen for a few years that's ready for another round. But I want to add one thing to what you just talked about that Eldridge Broussard said about, you know, there being meaning, if you will, beyond the pain is there's a concept that I've been thinking about just this week called post-traumatic growth. Have you ever heard of that one? I have not. So you've probably heard of post-traumatic stress disorder, PTSD, which any of us that have trauma in our history would probably fit the criteria for that diagnosis. But there's this concept called post-traumatic growth, which means after the trauma, we can grow. And my layman's definition of that is that I can say, I am not who I am and where I am in spite of what I've been through, but I am who I am and where I am because of what I've been through. And I think that that whole idea that God does redeem the years the locusts have eaten and restore them, and he doesn't waste pain, is something that is really close to my heart because I've lived it. She's empowering parents to become heroes. You could check out her videos, blog, and free resources to help dads and daughters in particular reach relationship goals at her website, drmichellewatson.com. And I'll leave the links up on truetalk800.com on the Difference Makers page. More with the Dad Whisperer, Dr. Michelle Watson, next on Difference Makers. Welcome back to Difference Makers. Mike Lee here with my pal, Dr. Michelle Watson, host of the Dad Whisperer on 93.9 KPDQ-FM, Mondays at 2.30 in the afternoon and again on Thursdays at 2 Plus, True Talk 800, Saturdays at 12.30 p.m. Dr. Michelle is a licensed professional counselor, and she's owned a clinical counseling practice in the Portland metro area for more than 20 years. After serving more than 37 years with girls in their teens and 20s through being a camp counselor, mentor, teacher, and speaker, 
And you don't really talk about it too much, but you were a worship leader for quite some time, weren't you, Michelle? Yes, I was. Yep, seven years at Beaverton Foursquare, and I played the piano for, we used to have a hundred-voice choir for six years. So that whole musical outlet, worshiping God thing is really near and dear to my heart, even though I'm not doing it anymore. (laughs) It's a rush on stage, isn't it? At times. I mean, you're worshiping God, but when everyone's on, and when the, the music ministry is firing on all cylinders. It's a bit of a thrill, isn't it, at times? Well, I think for me, like, again, maybe that's Mars, Venus. I love it that you're calling it a rush and a thrill. Probably on Venus up there, I would say, like, it just moves me to the depths of my core. In fact, about a month ago, I ended up joining about 12 worship leaders at my church where we just did one Sunday. So here it's been like seven years since I've done this, but they called the old girl back. And oh my goodness, Like, heaven fell on the place. Like, we were, people thought we were a gospel choir. I'm like, come on now. And just to have people responding where we got to lead them. God used to always tell me, lead them where I've already taken you. Because they show up on that day, but I've had days to prepare. So, we would say, lead them where I've already taken you. And to watch people respond, you know, in, in response to the preparation is, oh, that's, it's the deepest joy of my heart, which is what I'm doing in just a different way now, right? Through writing my blogs, or I'm actually starting another book this summer. And What's so, this one going to be about? Well, I have a working title, but, but you know, it can always get changed. But it's the current working title is the Say It Right, Do It Right, Get It Right Manual for Dads of Daughters. So the manual, I'm going to highlight the man word, but it's like, say it, you got to say it right, like, and it'll be either be say it right, get it right, do it right, or I'll revert. I'm not quite sure. Again, it's in motion. But what it's going to be is a book of just scripts is what I'm calling it for dad. So in the back of my book now, I have eight dad-daughter date questionnaires. That's what I call them. So I say, dad, you could take your daughter out. You don't have to know the words. You just have to know how to read. So just read the questions that I give you. And a friend of mine from Western Seminary, you probably know Gary Brashears, he said, you're building men's competence, which is building their confidence. And so... He's so good. As I know, he knows how to just say it <laughs> succinctly, right? But thinking about this fact that men tell me, this is my observation from eight and a half years of traveling to Mars, right? From my planet of Venus, is that men would rather do nothing than do it wrong. Most men have told me, yeah, pretty much. But I say, doing nothing is doing it wrong, and I know you want to do it right, and I'm going to help you. Again, as a whisper in the back, do it this way, say it this way. So with my book now, the one, Dad, here's what I really need from you, in the back there are these questions that dads can ask, but my new book is going to be a whole book of just topical questions so that dads are equipped to lead their daughters and into what I call deeper conversation that has more meaning and depth. And that's what it's going to be about. We're so looking forward to that. Will you come back on right before you release it? Totally. Yeah, I'd love to. Very much looking forward to that. Again, it's it's all because I want to be in the background saying, I want to see you be the hero you want to be and that your daughter needs you to be. And what I often say to men is when a daughter opens her mouth, her heart opens. We just work like that. Like, When we talk, and sometimes men are like, okay, I used my 7,000 words up today at the office. I get home, and there's a book called The Female Brain, 
where Luann Brizendine says men speak 7,000 words a day, women speak 20,000 words a day. Now, I know that's not every girl and every guy, but there's a generalization. So if dads are done talking and they get home and she's not used all her 20,000 words yet, sometimes dads are flooded with that and they go, you know what, I'm going to let mom do the heavy lifting. Now, it's okay if it's here and there, but not as a pattern. So I'm saying, dads, if you can get your daughters talking because you learn how to ask good questions, her heart is going to open to you, to herself, to being healthy, to being fully alive, for the glory of God. And I say, and every dad's heart opens when his daughter's heart is open. So that's kind of win-win. So really, the, the method to my madness, if you will, is that I want to put scripts in the hands of dads to be able to ask better questions that have depth and meaning. And, and so far, I have men really responding well to that. In my groups, they give feedback. Oh, in fact, one of them just said at our very last meeting, he said, this is literally a quote with his eighth grade daughter. He said, I'm worried that now that the group has ended, we're going to go back to the shallow end. I was like, well, guess what? I'm going to be writing a second book that's just the scripts that you used and put into motion this year. And I said, how many of you guys would buy that? And they all raised their hands. And I'm telling you, Mike, I'm not saying this to toot my horn. It's not even written yet, but it's really in me. I can feel it in my in my spirit that I'm ready to have it be organized in a topical way so men can say, this is what I want to talk about with her. I want to have the sex talk. I want to talk about body image. I want to talk about God as a father or spirituality or conflict resolution or friendships. And they're all topically listed so he can flip through because men told me, just get to the point already. Tell us what to do. Get to the point already. Well, I've listened and I will write that book. So, Dr. Michelle Watson, something you said earlier stuck with me. Why do you believe that men would rather do nothing than do something wrong? Or parents, but men in particular. Yes. Do we need to just kind of put our big boy pants on and be willing to stumble and make mistakes and be awkward? Are we soft? Are we afraid of criticism or being told we're not doing things right? Why is that, do you well, think? Well, you probably could answer this better than me as a man, right? As a Martian, I say that endearingly, right, from your planet of Mars. But what I have found, again, in my eight and a half years of working closely with men is that they don't want to be seen as incompetent. There's, there's something about that being exposed. It's, and, and even in my counseling office, I have men, when they get to that point, I had one last week where the dad, finally the tears came, and he said, I'm done. I, I'm tired of the fight. I'm tired of my, his job takes a lot of energy and he gets home. And when there's not a positive response from his daughter and his son, I think he already feels incompetent based on the responses he gets from them. And he literally said to me, I think I'm done as their dad. I don't think they need me. And I said, are you kidding me? Come on. So I'm just giving that example is that as I get close enough to men to hear their hearts, hear their hurts, hear their stories, hear their fears, I consistently sense they don't even want to face the fact that they may be incompetent and not qualified or not ready to engage in a certain way. And that's why, again, standing in the background, I'm saying, okay, doing nothing is doing it wrong, but I know you want to do it right. So I want to partner with that desire inside of you and give you what you need to put that desire into action. Dr. Michelle Watson, 
over your years of counseling, focusing on things like eating disorders, adolescence, trauma, being a keynote speaker throughout the country. That's kind of a rush. You've been on Focus on the Family and things like that. You've been invited to speak at conferences where they don't invite women to speak. I know. And yet, enter Dr. Michelle. I'm not always welcomed with open arms. I can feel the resistance. And so I just say, well, I didn't come up with this assignment. Please be nice to me. What I found is once they hear my heart and they see that I'm not a threat, but that I'm an ally. In fact, I spoke at a men's conference a couple of years ago in Colorado, and there was a two-hour break after you know, that session, and I never left the venue for two hours. Man after man after man was talking to me and saying, can I ask you about this? Can I ask you about this? And I'll never forget a man standing there, and I don't know maybe the, the right verbiage, but he had a completely metal prosthetic arm, and he told me that he had lost his arm in Vietnam. And he said, I grew up in an orphanage, and I've never been a good dad. I don't even have much of a connection to my daughter in her 20s. And then he's looking at me going, what do I do? But these are the conversations. Once they saw I'm your ally, I'm here on your team, I'm on your side, um, the conversations that I am privileged to have with dads are the most meaningful of all because they're open now to admit I don't know what to do. So see, it comes up against the incompetence fear But they're admitting to a woman, basically, I don't know what to do. I'm incompetent here. Can you help me? That's the starting point for change. For dads to come willing to learn, that's where things change. If they say, I don't know how to do it. My dad didn't model it to me. Get over it. Go to someone else to meet that need. Go to the youth pastor. Go to your teacher. Go to your mom. Like, nope, there's no one like a dad to make a difference in the life of his daughter And every part of her life will be better, I guarantee it, and the research confirms it, if dad is dialed in and she feels connected to her dad. So, Dr. Michelle Watson, do you have any advice for parents with kids who have different personality styles? For instance, I personally find it easier when I'm speaking with a daughter figure who can't shut up because we know exactly (laughs) where she's coming from. Mm -hmm. But for me personally... It's the quieter ones with the generally shorter answer that it's tough to find where their heart is. It's like pulling teeth. I love that you asked it that way. Did you catch what you just said? It's difficult to find where their heart is. You didn't say it isn't there. You just said it's difficult to find it. So you think about the fact that is it coincidence that in Malachi 4.6, the very last verse of the whole Old Testament, and Luke 1.17, which is where I told you I got my, quote, calling to this, That God said, if the hearts of fathers don't turn, he didn't say the heads of fathers don't turn. If the hearts of fathers don't turn to their children and children to their fathers, I'll come and strike the lamb with what? A curse. So the heart turn is, is a command because I believe it isn't intuitive. Turning a head for a dad, we love that as daughters especially. But isn't it interesting that God commanded a heart turn? So for dads who find it difficult, usually to relate to the daughter who is less like themselves, right? That's a pretty rough, bumpy road. But I believe, one, it expands a dad's capacity for for skills he would not probably learn if he didn't have a difficult daughter or one who was a challenge for him. Number two, I believe it's going to make him more dependent on God as a father to parent him, to help him be able to reach her heart. And number three... I think it can make a dad willing 
to go for help or ask for help and say, you know what, I'm going to be honest right here, which takes courage. I'm really not doing well with this daughter. And if men would listen to the women in their lives, whether it's their wife, a girlfriend, a mentor, a sister, a coworker, ask the women in your lives, what would you tell me to do as a dad who is struggling with this personality trait in a daughter? Be willing to learn because if you turn your heart toward her, you will grow, she will grow, your heart will be strengthened, her heart will be strengthened, and it's the best way that daughters thrive. You can pretty much pick out of a lineup the girls that have a dialed-in dad and girls that feel connected to their dads. They just stand taller. They have more confidence. They have greater self-esteem. I mean, the research supports all of that. So I say, dads, get in there. Just do it. Dr. Michelle Watson hosts The Dad Whisperer on 93.9 KPDQ, Mondays at 2.30 p.m. and again Thursdays at 2. And also on True Talk at 100 every Saturday at 12.30 p.m. and again at 7.30 p.m. Dr. Michelle, I want to pick your brain on single moms who often have to play both positions if they're the primary and at times only parent in their children's lives. So what would the dad whisperer have to say to our single mom friends or our single dad friends for that matter? Yeah, that is a great question. I have wrestled with that one myself because that isn't something I deal with. And I think it's easy sometimes to say, well, how can you help me? You don't get it. You haven't lived it. So I have reached out to some of my single mom friends. In fact, one of them, I'm going to have her on my program coming up here in the next few months where her husband died three years ago of ALS. And so she had to step into that dad role, not by divorce. And as we were talking, she and I, she said, I cannot begin to tell you how many women are so frustrated because they are in this boat where they don't have men filling in the gap where dad was. In fact, it was probably about four years ago, I spoke to a women's group here in Portland of just single moms, many of them unwed mothers, young, some of them, I would say early 20s, and they had daycare on site, but that was a question that came up. It almost brought me to tears because through their tears, they were saying, we can't get men to fill in the gap for where our children don't have a positive male influence. Dad's out of the picture, or he's a deadbeat dad. What do we do? I'm telling you, Mike, I didn't have an answer other than to just bleed with them because I, I, the suggestions I gave, which I would say here, are probably already pretty, like, like pretty understandable that anybody would come up with this. It's not rocket science. Is well, you know, do you do you go to your church and look at men that you respect or see who's maybe in a Sunday school class or at camp? I think camp is oftentimes a great way to kind of break down barriers from just one or two hours. At, right, in a week at church, maybe there's someone in your school, maybe at your kid's school that they really connect with. It would never hurt to ask, would you ever be willing to meet with my child one hour a week? I mean, we know there's those big sister, little sister, big brother, little little brother programs where an older person mentors a younger person. But I think a lot of these moms are saying, I don't even know where to go to find good men. You know, I think another one that might be understandable or obvious is, you know, do you have an uncle? Like, do, do you as an adult have a brother? Is there an uncle that could step in? Is there a grandfather that could step in? I think even in our country, and this is actually, I'm not kidding you, this is a download I'm getting right now, is in our country, we know that there are a lot of older people, grandparent age, who are in nursing homes 
that literally feel like their life is over, the best part is over, they can't make a difference because whatever they did is no longer something they're doing, and they're dying with no purpose. I mean, there's even a model of psychological development that says 55 and older, it's a it's kind of the the challenge in that age range is having generativity versus stagnation. Generativity meaning are you generating something of purpose and meaning? If you aren't, you're going to stagnate. Well, how many grandparents are in nursing homes or whatever you want to call them, some kind of a care center that would love to be a resource? For young kids that come in. In fact, we know there's daycares across the country that are pairing daycares with old folks' homes or whatever. I know that's probably not politically correct, but they're putting them together because guess what? These kids want to be seen and noticed, right? Dad's out of the picture, some of these. And how many kids go, Daddy, watch me? Like it's way cooler when you jump off the sofa and you're seen doing it or off the high dive if Daddy watches it or Mommy watches it. So if These kids are going to a nursing home to find an older person who has a dire need for, you know, something to do that has value. Maybe a mom could start there and say, I'm going to interview a few different, quote, grandpas, father figures, grandfather figures, and ask, would you be okay if I ever brought my kids here once a week? Maybe you'd have to see if the place would allow it. But I believe it would be healing both ways. Because the grandparents have all the time in the world there to listen, to watch, to say, show me what you made at school this week. But that might be a way that a mom could take a a, a kind of a proactive step forward. Great ideas from Dr. Michelle Watson, the dad whisperer. And when we return, I'm going to tell you about a couple of ministries you might want to connect with to help you if you are a single parent right here on Difference Makers. You're listening to Difference Makers. Mike Lee here with my very special guest and dear friend, Dr. Michelle Watson, who is the host of The Dad Whisperer. And she's a licensed professional counselor. Don't miss her radio ministry Mondays at 2.30 p.m. and also 2 o'clock on Thursday afternoons on 93.9 KPDQ. And also on True Talk 800, Saturdays at 12.30 p.m. and again at 7.30 p.m. Not only is she a wonderful and experienced and educated licensed professional counselor, she just has a heart for empowering parents to love on their kids better and communicate more effectively. So, Michelle, before the break, we were talking about some of the dilemmas that may face single parents in particular. So I want to drop a few names. I want to send a shout-out to my dear friends, Gayla and Tori Wilson, down in Salem. Now, Gayla and Tori don't have any local kids, so they adopted a complete stranger for a grandson. They meet on Sundays, they go to Elmer's or Sherry's, and as a result of that, their surrogate grandson's mom has become like a daughter to them. Hmm. So you say adopted in quotes, like not officially. They just found them and loved on them, and they now have local family as a result. So shout out to you, Gayla and Tori, for using your retirement years to impact the community. And there's others of you out there. So just let me encourage you, whether it's something so informal as what Gayla and Tori are doing with what was previously a complete stranger. And there are ministries that you can connect with for advice. One would be Rob Goff in Vancouver, and his ministry is called Fathers in the Field, which is trying to empower churches and ministries in particular to set up these programs where, yeah, I could be someone's surrogate father figure and take a kid to a ball game or out fishing or for a bike ride. 
and another is Andrei Ivanov, and his ministry is called Flash Love. Among other things, they connect people with positive Christian father figure role models. So I'll throw those links up on the Difference Makers page at True Talk 800. But you're not alone, friends. You may be a single parent. You may be struggling. But as soon as we get to a point where we're broken and we're saying, God, I can't do this on my own, I believe that's when he empowers us to be able to make the next step forward because of our humility and because we're throwing our pride aside and saying, it's more important for my kid to be helped out than it is for me to save face. You know, I want to even do the other side of that because we were talking about what about moms who don't have a dad in the picture? But I recently, on the Dad Whisperer, so people could go to my website, drmichellewatson.com, and pull this up, or iTunes. They could go there. The podcast is there on the Dad Whisperer. But I interviewed a friend of mine, and he came on there, and I called it Mr. Mom, Single Dad Survival Strategies. And it was, how can you as a dad invest in your kids when mom isn't in the picture and you're covering more bases? So in our, you know, with our divorce rates, I think we want to cover both sides of the issue because they're leaving gaping holes if a dad or a mom isn't intentional in how they seek to try to somewhat fill in that gap. But then I think the most important thing we've got to say, which my friend that I told you I was recently talking with, whose husband died of ALS, she said, I have been very intentional about helping my children know that they have God as a father. They are never without a father because God is never going to leave you. And I think for parents to really underscore that fact is going to go a long way in their children not feeling abandoned, but knowing that they're cared for and loved by a dad in heaven. So, Dr. Michelle, of the many people that you've counted over the years, what is the breakdown? Are most of them people of faith? Are they Christian? Do you do people who don't have any religious backgrounds? Yeah, I love having the variety. I would say probably predominantly because it's mostly word of mouth, whether it's my counseling practice or the ABBA project, right, where I'm leading dads of daughters. It's usually word of mouth. I'm not doing any marketing. And so really it's it's sometimes if the guys are Christians, they'll tell other Christians. If it's guys that don't do that, then that they come from all walks of life. And I love the diversity of those kinds of groups because even this past year, I've got one guy who's he might call himself an atheist or an agnostic, literally sitting side by side next to a very conservative Christian man. And to watch this friendship develop where the one guy is willing to put his money where his mouth is and was saying, I'll fly you to go see your daughter across. I'll go with you. And I thought, that's the one without a strong faith background reaching out and telling the, the more conservative Christian guy, I'll go with you, man. And I go, there's something so fun about that for me because I go, where else would you get a group put together like this? It's really fun. It's got to be disarming when you're at a point where you're going to sit on a weekly basis with another father, whether or not his life resembles yours, but the one common goal you have is to be a better dad. Bingo. And just to clarify, we meet once a month. So for a lot of men, they go, that works for me. Like, it's not too much. I can come once a month for nine months, nine times to learn to be a better dad. And you know what's really fun, Mike, is they will say to me, do you realize this has actually made me a better husband or a better dad to my sons? I'm even noticing that I'm different at work because dads are learning skills in relationship building, in communication building, and those strategies are really empowering them in all walks of life. And I love that. It's so fun. Your passion is just infectious, Dr. <laughs> Michelle Watson, and it hasn't waned, even though you've been on the air for years now. Yeah. 
So, I love this. It's my it's my greatest calling. We love the fact that you are part of the KPDU family well, and that you come being, and hang out with well, us at Fish well, Fest and, and meet guests <laughs> and things like that. So I want to talk more to the Dr. Michelle who's not on the air. Let's leave the doctor part out, Michelle you got Watson. It. You got it. You'd mentioned growing up that your parents were bamboozled into coming to know the Lord because they wanted to go to a church for a few weeks before grandparents were coming into town so that the pastor would know their name and address them and make them look good. Somewhere down the line, you mentioned that you gave your heart to the Lord as a girl. So when did that fully come to fruition that you knew beyond a shadow of a doubt? Mm -hmm. Because for those of us who are raised in the church from a young age, we don't have as extreme or at times exciting testimonies as others. However, everybody's testimony is a great one because it was written by God. Yeah, love that. So when did you really fully receive your faith? Mm. Was it more as an adult when you were going to Mount Noma? Did you just know from age six-ish on I up did. or what? I did. It was Easter Sunday. I was there with my best friend, Jill Polly, And remember raising my hand. And for real, I have never doubted. I don't know how that is. Because the truth is, you know, later in, there was there was abuse going on, right? From my mom's dad even actually some others, Mike. So I look at the fact that I could compartmentalize a lot of that stuff. And I'm not saying that I didn't struggle at different times, quote, with my faith. But, you know, when I was 12, I remember rededicating my life to the Lord. And so, again, I think that's just showing that I had a softness in my heart for Jesus always, since I was six to now being 58. That really hasn't waned. But you know where it got the hardest? My senior year of Bible college. And I had to write all these doctrinal statements to collectively have a document in my file of everything I stated that I believed that I'd learned in the three years. I about, if, if there's such a thing as like having a nervous breakdown, I about had one because I remember being so overtaxed in my brain and spirit and gut going, I don't know where I'm at on these issues, but I've got it. You're forcing me to write something down and I don't know. And it was really hard. Okay, let's fast forward then a decade after that. I'm now in counseling. I'm dealing with trauma memories and abuse memories. And do you know what my counselor asked me time and time again? So this is now from like 28 to 35. Where was Jesus in the story? Where was Jesus in the story? And I literally, again, I told you I was raised loving the word. I've always loved memorizing scripture and I've loved studying the Bible. I literally believed that Jesus would be there to put a robe of righteousness on me when I was done processing. Like, I'm like, no, I know I know that I'm not rejected by him because of my abuse, because of that sin done to me or my own sin. But literally, if I went here, I would start crying right now because it's so precious to my heart. But I will never forget the day that I was laying there and Jesus, I don't know how the blinders came off because I'd never seen this. And he was standing at my head stroking my hair and tears were coming down his cheeks. I had never seen, if you will, Jesus before in my imagination or my mind. I don't know how to describe it. But I literally remember saying, I didn't know you were here. Like, I knew you'd be here to clean me up after I did the processing or after the abuse, but not in it. And it was so transformative for me to say, Oh, now I get Psalm 23 that says, you will go with me through the valley of the shadow of death. 
And there was a trauma bond, the strongest bond we can have between me and Jesus that day. So if you were to ask me, which you did, where would you mark that something shifted? I would probably say that day in counseling, but the foundation was long before that, long before that. Dr. Michelle Watson is an author, licensed professional counselor, and host of The Dad Whisperer on both True Talk 800 and 93.9 KPDQ. And you're just so accomplished and together and confident in your faith, your experience, your education, and expertise today, Michelle. For an abuse survivor, I mean, you are walking, talking, breathing evidence of God to me and the KPDQ family. Mm. So if anyone listening is going through a season of struggles and abuse right now. Could you speak to him or her right now? Mm -hmm. Just know that even though you might feel that you've been abandoned, feel that the things done to you define you in who you are, know that the truth of your identity is written in the palm of the Trinity's hand because God is, is Father and He's Son and He's Spirit and you have an Abba Daddy, a father in heaven who calls you his own. You have Jesus who stands alongside you and you have the Holy Spirit around you. And the good news is that they never do anything apart from each other. And they, when they join with you, you join with them and you partner, you are never less than four. How profound is that? Some friends taught me that. You're never less than four. So anything you're going through that is more than you can handle What you can know is that you're in the palm of the Trinity's hand. They are your front and rear guard. They will never leave you or forsake you. And there's nothing you can do to ever push their love away. Romans 8 tells you that nothing that you've done or that's been done to you and your truth of who you are, the truth of who you are is written in your identity of God the Father, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit. Dr. Michelle Watson is the founder of The ABBA Project, president of Michelle Watson Counseling Incorporated, and in addition to being a book author, she's the host of The Dad Whisperer. Please tune in, be blessed, and be encouraged on 93.9 KPDQ-FM, Monday afternoons at 2.30, and again on Thursdays at 2, plus True Talk at 100 every Saturday at 12.30 p.m., Dr. Michelle Watson, thank you so much for coming in and being a part of the KPDQ family. Oh, I love being here with you. Thanks for being such a great friend and supporter and ally. Truly a pleasure. And thank you for joining Difference Makers. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com. <laughs> 